Hello folks and welcome to the Ty Wuffenden episode of Sigma Sports Presents Matt Stevens Unplugged. Well, what can I say about Ty? He had to borrow a laptop from his neighbour to record the pod, which might have caused serious lag issues resulting in a long delay. He's also a British multiple champion and three times world speedway champion, uh, but he's also an exceptionally seriously keen cyclist. Um, he favours the climbs and actually employs Russ and Dean Downing as his coach is. In fact, he admits he sometimes needs to remember that cycling is his hobby and speedway is his job. Now, we chat all about how he got into the sport and the importance of winning a race named after his late father. But how well does he know the local radio stations in the Scunthorpe area, his place of birth? Now, the answer to this question and several others are revealed in the next hour or so of this rather heavily spliced pod. So, rev up your engines. Turn your device to the left, it can't go right. Open up the throttle to full and drift into Podland. <laughs> Hello and welcome. Are you ready? Because it's that time again. Matt Stevenson unplugged passing his Ty Wuffenden is one of the finest speedway riders currently on the pro circuit and was the first ever British rider to win the World Speedway Championships three times back in 2013, 2015 and 2018. Add to that 11 Speedway GP wins, including 29 podiums, and you can see why Ty sits on the very cutting edge of his sport. Now, the Scunthorpe-born speedster currently lives in Poland, where he rides for the WTS Rocklaw team in the Polish Speedway Extra Liga team, basically the premier division of Polish Speedway. Now, when he's not skidding anti-clockwise through dirt, you'll most likely find him on his bike, taking a spin in the Polish sunshine or sweating it out in a Zwift race. Now, I sat down with Ty, albeit over a thousand miles apart, to record a pod and natter about his love of all things two wheels. Check it out. Ty Wuffenden, thanks very much, mate, for joining me on my podcast. We've been kind of talking for the last 10, 15 minutes. You borrowed a laptop from your neighbour. It's all in Polish because that's where you are. But finally, we are up and running. So thanks very much for coming on, mate. Thanks for having me on, dude. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been quite a funny process the last, uh, <laughs> last 10, 15 minutes or so. It certainly has, mate. But um, what we'd like to do to start to kick things off, on the pod i've already alluded to the fact that you're in poland but could you tell me exactly where in poland you are and what you can actually see immediately around you just so whoever's listening uh, can kind of kind of set the scene really mate so just describe where you are um, i'm in Rosław, poland um beautiful city uh been racing here for a, for a long time now so we decided to move out and i am currently sat on my daughter's pink bed um looking at all her toys on the floor and her Elsa Barbie castle so that kind of sets oh, the nice. scene right it, it does it's um I don't think we've had um yeah something quite as kind of yeah we've not had none, <laughs> we've literally had nothing like that before mate and I believe as well because you 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 know you, you're entitled to you're a guest on the pod you pushed it back an hour because it's a very special day in Poland isn't it today yeah, in Poland, they um, like in the rest of the world, they celebrate Mother's Day and Father's Day. Uh, here in Poland, they celebrate um, Children's Day. So okay, it's a, it's been a day for the kids, you know, running amok and playing around. And we took them to the shops and we had ice cream and pizza and uh, bought some more Barbies. And yeah, it's, <laughs> it's been a nice day. Brilliant stuff, mate. Brilliant stuff. Um, so f- first up, I know you've um, you had a nasty crash a few 
well, a couple of months ago. And how's your how's your recovery going, mate? Yeah, it's uh, it's been it's been tough. I, I had a crash, a really silly crash, um, basically going into the corner. Um, on a speed when we race speedway, we have a steel shoe on our left foot. So when you put your foot down, it, it slides across whatever whatever surface you're on. Yeah. Um, at the level that I'm at, you probably don't really use your left foot that much, but some tracks you do on the smaller ones. Right. Um, and the guy that was on the right hand side of me, his strap that holds his steel shoe to his boot got caught on my right footrest. So as I'm dragging him to the first corner, yeah, uh, it just got to the point where the bike just disappeared from underneath me and I buried my shoulder onto the concrete on the, on the side of the track. And as I've gone in, it's pushed my shoulder pad back and I've gone shoulder first. And since I've been cycling for the last like two years, I haven't touched any upper body weights. So there's no muscle there. I'm just like a typical upper body of a cyclist. And, um, right. yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's been a bit of a process to, to get it right. I, I broke my shoulder blade, which wasn't a problem. I didn't really have any pain from that. Um, but the ligaments, I wasn't able to lift my, if you had your hands by your side, um, yeah. I had about 15 centimeters of movement forward and to the side um the first week and then right. every week it's progressively got better and better but five days a week rehab to, to try and get it right and uh enough so i can race um which was two weekend or not last weekend the weekend before um so yeah i'm feeling pretty good now it's nearly there and uh you sent me a we were messaging last night, sorting out this podcast. And thanks for jumping on at relatively short notice as well. It's much appreciated. But you sent me, I don't think I've, anybody's ever sent me a pitch like that. Your face was poking through the hole in a massage table. So was that part of your rehab yeah. or is that something that you normally have? Nah, yeah, that's that's part of the rehab, dude. Um, it was, uh, what was yesterday? Monday. So I raced on Sunday. Um, and then Monday was a, a, a back massage and deep tissue. Uh, and then some ultrasound, uh, dry needling, uh, laser treatment and, uh, complex. We put the complex on for a little bit. And whilst I have all this done, I have the recovery right. pump going on my legs to, to get my legs ready for the next day cycling. <laughs> so, so you, oh, you've got those funny leg things that people wear. They're kind of, uh, it's like the moon you're in boots. a cast or something. Cause I've never, I've never used those. Are they any good? Um, <sighs> It's nice to put them on and sit there for, for 45 to 45 minutes to an hour and just relax. But it start it starts pumping up from the foot and then it does your between your ankle and your knee and then it does from your knee up. So um, I guess it just kind of it's, it's, I guess it's kind of like a massage for your legs, a recovery, push all the, the junk out of your legs after a big session and get it to the uh, higher into your body where you can, you know, flush it out a bit better. Nice one, mate. And, and they look, they just look a bit bizarre, don't they, to be honest with you? Um, I've just, I think. I yeah, think they, they feel they it when of, you've got them on as well. Yeah, I bet they do. I bet they do. Well, let's, mate, let's just rewind a little bit. Um, I'm glad you're, you're, you're kind of pretty much fully recovered and getting back into the swing of things. But, um, and obviously before people will have come onto the pod, they'll know a little bit about you. But can you just, I mean, you're, as well as all the other results, you're a three-time world champion, which is a record for a British rider on the speedway. But how, can you just tell us how you first got into it? Because I know one of the biggest influence, influences in your life was, was, your, was your father, Rob, of course, who was a, you know, a very successful speedway professional. But how did you ultimately set yourself on this path? So when, um, when I used to ride motocross first, and then when I was 
12, we went to uh, my friend's house who had a motocross track in his garden and we was riding there Saturday, Sunday. And on Saturday, we uh, we prepared the, on Saturday night, was prepping the bikes for Sunday. And um, I saw a speedway bike tucked away in the corner and I thought, oh, I'd love to have a go on that. And dad goes, oh, you can if you want, but, you know, we're going to sell you motocross bikes. We can't afford to do both. And, um, and that was it. And then my first, my first race was an Australian championship under 16 championship and they said if i can if i can do a start and get around the first corner they'll um they'll put me in the meeting you know so um i think i stalled it about six times and then i finally got one got one out the out the gate and then got around the corner and, and that was it i was in the aussie title and and the funny thing about that was is when you when you do the aussie championships obviously kids come from all over australia to do it and um chris holder came over from New South Wales and he didn't have a partner. So on the Saturday is the, the individual championship and on the Sunday is the best pairs. And um, he didn't have a partner, so they paired him up with me. And, you know, that was back in like 2002. And, you know, now we race against each other, you know, in the world championships in 2013, 2015. Um, we race, you know, we travel together and all that sort of stuff. So it's crazy that like we was partnered up that first weekend of, of my career and um and then we're still kind of kicking it in europe now i mean that's i mean that's very very cool indeed i mean but uh, so why i mean doing motocross i mean my, my dad was a big motorcyclist so i kind of had was surrounded by motorbikes as a kid i never really went into it but i rode on the back of my dad's motorbike a lot but um obviously motocross and speedway there are similarities but speedway is very very different so what why do what did you love more about speedway to kind of take that option was it kind of your dad's influence or was it just the way you're just good at it because um you know selling one or the others that's a big call isn't it it is for a 12 year old but that kind of sums me up i'm very uh very impulsive with stuff that i do um and I obviously right. was back then as well, but I didn't actually know that my dad rode speedway at that point. I, pr- I probably did kind of somewhere along the line, but I didn't know to what level he rode at really until, until we came out to Europe in 2005 and people were going, Oh, you look like your dad on the bike. And I'm like, how, like, was he any good? And they're like, yeah, yeah, he was really good. And it's like, Oh, <laughs> it was kind of never really spoke about at home. Right. Okay. That's interesting. Hmm. I think that like I'm kind of like that though. Like I go racing, and then when I get home, like we don't talk about it. There's, there's you know no discussions because I like to keep that separate from my my like life and family stuff. And I think it's nice to have that you know that break from it. So then when you come back to the race, you're hungry for it. You haven't been thinking about it like every day of the week. Yeah, I think that would drain drain me a lot. I mean. For the uninitiated, then, because I, 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 there was back in the day, probably when your dad was 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 racing, there was a, quite a lot of speedway on on the telly in in the UK, and I used to watch it quite a lot again because my dad was really into motorbikes, and I, I remember it. I used to really enjoy watching it. But for the uninitiated, how did because there's only ever four guys on the track at any one time. So a typical, how does a typical kind of day or event kind of work, just so people can get their head around how it kind of works? Is it like a series of heats? Yeah, so like a typical British league would be like 15 heats. Your top two riders, there's, there's two teams. So like when I was racing for Wolverhampton, we'd verse Kings Lynn and there'd be seven riders on each team. We'd all go out, you know, two at a time on, on the track for 14 heats and then heat 15 is your top two riders from each team. Yeah. Um, if you win the race, you get three points. If you come second, you get two. If you come third, you get one. And if you finish last, you get zero. 
So it's okay. on a point scoring system that tallies up for the team. Um, and then you go home and away and you have league champions at the end. And so what what do you like the most about about Speedway, though? I mean, you say you're one of the most decorated British riders of all time and you're still only a very young man, only 30 years of age. So, you know, what, what does it for you with Speedway? Um, I just, it's, it's kind of all I know. I, I grew up doing it, you know, I... I, I took the chance of coming to Europe to go professional and <clears throat> I've worked hard to, to win, you know, three individual world titles. And the, the biggest buzz that I get from it now is when, when you set the bike up. So like I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of how I can explain this to someone that doesn't ride a, like a motorbike. Speedway bikes have wheel spin. And right. as you turn into the corner and you hit a berm of dirt, that wheel slows, obviously slows down and then okay. it pulls your arms out and right. it like goes around the corner real quick. And finding that fine line between when you hit that dirt and you're borderline out of control, but you're yep. in control at the same time, you're like right on the edge of like this thing's towing me like a train on train tracks. Yeah, yeah. That that does it for me. That Right. That is like the most amazing feeling. So again, so it's the, the point, isn't it? I suppose the equivalent on a on a on a road bike or a, or a mo or a MotoGP mic or a superbike is the kind of the limit of the kind of tire grip trade off, isn't it? That 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 kind of limit where you feel that you're kind of optimized at that point and, and always kind of, I guess you're just pushing that, pushing that all the time. The very kind of limits of the contact points on your bike and the dirt, I guess. Yeah, but when. <laughs> Yeah, but no. So yeah, I am I am pushing it, but yeah. I'm in control. So like I could I could just change this the setup real easily so I could like drop a sprocket. Yeah. And it would do the same thing, but the engine would go more like and and it wouldn't have as much pull. But then right. if you have if you have too much wheel spin and you hit a real big berm, it all wanted to stand up on the wheel. So it's it's having it on train tracks around the corner to the point where you're hanging onto it that hard that like you you're so close to like crashing like that yeah. that is the most biggest buzz and that's right. what i love about it right okay so yeah so basically being being on the limit whatever that limit is is that is, the, is what essentially you're doing isn't it being on the limit of being out of control yeah yeah so why um so why cycling then i mean two wheels of course i know you're you've been into cycling for the last couple of years um so what first attracted you to the other sort of two wheels the self-powered two wheels then well, I don't want to. I don't want to say this word because it makes me feel sick whenever okay. I hear it. Right. But I started. I started training triathlon. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Right. Um, because it was uh, it was swimming, running, cycling, and I soon figured yeah. out that I hate swimming at five o'clock in the morning in the ocean because it's too cold, and I really don't enjoy running. And I love cycling, so I was like, well, yeah, let's just get rid of all the other stuff and just focus on the cycling. And, and then I started to look at numbers and, and diving into the whole uh, riding to power and heart rate and all that sort of stuff. And I've, I've just become obsessed with it. It's probably an unhealthy obsession. Um, you know, I have, like, I, I'm sure you've seen the pictures of my Tour de France jerseys hung in the, in the office. I've built a whole, a whole room just for Zwift. Right. Um, with custom cupboards and built-in head units. I've got. I just finished building a bastion that cost me thirty-two thousand Australian dollars, which has been wow. sent to my house in Australia. So when I fly to Australia, I don't need to travel with a bike, and okay. then I leave my Venge here. Right. And it's 
it's just, it's probably unhealthy, <laughs> but I love it. Like I can't get enough of it. It's funny because on um, on the podcast, as you know, we've had Cal Crutchlow before, you know, the, the MotoGP ride, and Ben Foster, the Watford goalie, both professional sports people, but who love cycling that much. They almost see themselves as like a cyclist first and their profession kind of secondary. It's kind of amazing how many – there's a lot of people who yeah. – I mean, I'm, I'm addicted to cycling in a slightly different way, a little bit, a bit older than you, but it, it, it does. I mean, once, you, once you've got hooked on bike riding, it is – it's a massive part of your life, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And like, I'm a morning trainer. I can't train in the afternoons. Um, so like, I did. Right. I, I got in a team the other week, and I was doing the w, uh, WTRL on Zwift, and I found that really hard to like to to almost like motivate myself to like get on the bike and smash it at that time. But if it was at like five o'clock in the morning, like four thirty in the morning, like I, it wouldn't yeah. be a problem for me. Um, right. But yeah, just and and then. Training in the afternoon, I feel really lethargic all all morning. Right. Like if I train right. in the morning, that kind of like sets me up for the whole day. I'm in a better right. mood. I'm, you know, the endorphins have been released and I'm away. But if I know that I've got a nighttime training session or I can't do it in the morning and I have to do it at night, then I'm a bit like sluggish and lazy and probably a bit grumpy. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I just love it. Same, same as Cal, you know, but Cal's a really good cyclist. He's very, very strong, isn't he? Yeah, like Cav said, Cav said he could easily like do leadouts for him in that. <laughs> yeah, well, I can testify. Having been, I've just been out for one bike ride with with Cal and with Cav at the same time, and uh, yeah, he was well. He was as well as being super super strong. He was just out cornering us every single wet corner. He was taking lengths out of us. <laughs> just the bike handling was absolutely insane. When we're in Australia, um, there's a guy that does road racing out there, and he's in the local scene. His name's Brian Starring, and he's a very he's a very strong cyclist as well. And when it rains, he just absolutely annihilates anyone in any crit races or road races because he, he understands lean angle and tire grip and yeah, uh, cornering. Yeah, and and yeah, I'm sure from what you just said, Cal's obviously the same. It's just a, a whole another step up. Maybe all the cyclists should go for lessons with the road races. To get it dialed in. Well, I, yeah. Well, funnily enough, I mean, and this isn't like a secret. This is like open source. I mean, as you know, I was on the Giro d'Italia all the last three weeks, and you know, Remco Evenepoel. Clearly, there was uh, we don't know why, but there was issues with his kind of positioning in the peloton and lost quite a bit on descents. And um, and Patrick Lefebvre, his team manager, actually has gone on record um, in interview to saying that they're you know. Why not? Cal Crutchlow is a big fan of the team, a fan of Cav, of course. He's back with De Koenig, that he gets some cornering lessons from Cal Crutchlow. Really? That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, that, that's Patrick Lefebvre you know, saying that um, he needs some potentially some kind of cornering lessons. I mean, what we've got to bear that in mind with is that the, the lad's just come back after nine months off, hasn't he? Falling down a ravine and breaking his pelvis. So there's going to be some kind of nerves in there. Well, I was going to say, you're being a bit harsh. Yeah, yeah. But, it's, uh, but that's what his team manager said you know it just shows how much um because it, like i said you know uh, motorcyclists um do kind of understand that, that, that that's that their game is living on the edge isn't it yours is on dirt it's slightly different but it's still it's understanding the very limits it's i find it a fascinating fascinating subject i think i'm a decent corner but then when you see somebody who can corner exceptionally well it's like whoa it's another level yeah see the problem for me is i can only turn left no good at right corners I was going to ask you actually. So in a in a in a speedway race, it's clearly all anti-clockwise. 
is there ever any races where you go the right or is the bike set up for just going left? Nah, they're, they're built for going one way, mate. Yeah, they got like a, your left foot rest is quite high. If you sit on it, it's really unnatural. It's, all, it's kind of right. like uh, when, you, when your pedals are kind of like neutral and one foot's in front yeah. of the other, but your yeah. right foot is really low to the ground and your left foot's kind of quite high, really. They're just they're, right. And the exhaust runs down the right-hand side, so the left-hand side's free. Yeah, they're, right. they're a whole other kettle of fish. So it's basically it's a left-handed bike. That that's it, just for cornering around on the left. It's that's, a bike that's that goes real quick around left-handers. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Brilliant stuff. Oh, hold on a minute, mate. We've got a funny. There's a funny sound. Uh, Random question alert. Oh, here we go. Alert. Random question alert. Sorry about this, mate. Random question alert. It is time for a random question. Right. Um, sorry about this, Ty. Every now and again on this podcast, we have a, we've watched the uh, lads at Sigma installed in my house a big computer, old style from the 80s, the random question generator. I've just been over and torn off this bit of paper, which reads as follows, mate. Um, if all animals were the same size, what would win in a fight? <laughs> if all animals were the same size, what would win in a fight? Yeah, I'm so gonna go with an, the... I'm going to go with an ant. Oh, yeah, that's good. Didn't yeah, that one, did you? No, but you've clearly that was quite a quick bit of thinking there, mate. So explain your rationale. Well, if you, and I swear, ants can carry like something stupid, like ten times their body weight, and they have them yeah. big nippers on. You know, the ones that like cut the leaves and carry the leaves in the Amazon. Yeah. So if every, if they was all the same size, there'd be some pretty big nippers. You know, if it was the size of an elephant, it'd just chop an elephant in half, wouldn't it? It probably would. It'd be amazing to, it'd be amazing to watch though, wouldn't it? Imagine that on Netflix. Well, yeah, it'd be, it'd be, with David Attenborough doing the voiceover, I think it'd be pretty good. Yeah. I wonder what we could call it. Like same same size animal battle? That's a bit, bit rubbish. So, uh, I don't know, but I, I like the idea, mate. I, Maybe you stick to the podcast, Matt. Yeah, I'll six the podcast, mate, and not creating titles for uh, same size animal banner battles. Oh, good, good answer, mate. Well done. Um, I think you deserve a round of applause for that. That's absolutely fantastic. Uh, no, a round of applause. Oh, he's clapping himself as well. He's clapping himself. Uh, <laughs> um, Ty, what's it like training in Poland? I mean, I've raced in Poland a long time ago um, in the race called the Peace Race. But what, what are your local roads like? Is it is it pretty decent out there? Um, yeah, I, I made a quick loop on Strava. It's got like, it's like, uh, it's a thousand meters climbing and it's just under a hundred K. I have to do two laps of like a super rolly, um, a rolly section because Roswell's right. really flat. So that's the only way I could get some climbing in. Um, there's one at like 14%, but it's, it's not long enough. Um, right. but uh, it's still nice to do workouts on, you know, you can, hold power you can increase you know 10 watts each effort you know low cadence there's, there's a bunch of different stuff you can do on it so you, you seem to have really uh like like got to grips with with bike riding just over the last couple of years because you, you're actually coached as well aren't you by is it is it it's dean downing isn't it who coaches you yeah dean and russ downing yeah <clears throat> and um there's a guy in aussie that's kind of helped me out before they did and he kind of got me set up with a few things so <clears throat> i think i had like a 250 watt ftp um, when I when I started, yeah. And now it's just under three hundred, so it's not yeah. a lot to say the time that I've been riding for. But 
like when I go back to Australia, so when the season finishes, I go back to Australia and I have like a four month training block. So then it's like five, 600 K weeks, not a problem. And then when I get back here, I have to, I have to manage my, my fatigue because obviously I need to be sharp for my racing. So when I'm back in Europe, I do find it hard to go do them, them big Ks and, and make sure I'm right from my speedway. And then on the flip side, I also need to remember that cycling is my hobby and speedway is my job. So, um, there's kind of that, but yeah, when I go back to Australia, then yeah, man, I, I get really into it like big time, but I think like 4.6 watts per kilo for an hour is kind of like my hour, hour pace if I'm pushing. It's pretty decent. Yeah. That's pretty I'll, decent. I'd like, I'm, so, I'm, I'm on the mission to get a five watt per kilo FTP. So Next up, Ty. I mean, you're clearly very, very serious about this. You talked about your lovely bike, which I've seen on Instagram. Um, you're a very active Instagrammer um, and obviously being trained by Dean and Russ. But would you consider racing or is that just pushing it? I mean, racing on the road, not just racing on Zwift. Yeah, so um, Zwift is for me is for when the weather's not good. Um, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a fair weather rider currently. I have purchased some more outdoor gear, so... I could do it, but I like to train in the mornings um, so I can be home and, you know, have my training block done and come home and have breakfast with the girls and kind of start the day with them. So, um, but yeah, like I I did a few crits when I was back in Aussie, um, done a 40K time trial. Oh, right. Um, What else have I done? I haven't done any like, well, we have some wicked group rides in Perth. Yeah. There's three absolute smash fests, um, one on a Saturday morning, the Giant Ocean Keys ride. That's full gas for 60K to the coffee shop. Uh, I yeah. think there's a few Jai, – Jai comes home and does it does it a few times on the weekends, so that's, that's pretty cool. Okay. Uh, Jai Hindley. Um, yep. And then there's another couple closer into the city. Um, but, yeah, they're just the – fir- the first time I did the one in the city, it, it rolled out and it was like – Within thirty seconds, it was at sixty k an hour. <laughs> right. Okay. And I was. I'm, I'm like this year when I get back, I'll be strong enough to to stay with them guys. But when I did do that ride, I just wasn't quite there. But the JCC one on a on a Saturday is pretty pretty savage one. Good stuff. I mean, but yeah, for so- rate, like I, I'd love to race, but obviously with COVID for the last year and a half, and God knows how much longer that's going to go on for. Yeah. Um. There's not a lot going on. Well, what about if, um, hypothetically, of course, what if a sponsor came to you, Ty, and said, we want to we want to run a, a one-day bike race, push bike race, called the Ty Woofenden GP, and it can be held anywhere in the world. What would the Ty Woofenden GP road race look like? You oh. could design it, mate. Yeah, where, where would it be in the world? How long would it be and what would the course be like? Give, give us a bit of a, yeah, your ultimate race. You could be race director or you could actually be in it and race it yourself. No, no, I'd be in it. I'd be in it. All right. <laughs> right. I'd, have, I'd, have to, I'd have to do a bit of a training block before because I'd, I'd do the Giro Queen stage replica, but in Perth, Western Australia. Right, so okay. So you've got like, you know, 38 degrees plus, absolutely stinking. Um, start down at the coast work your way up into the hills, do all the dams around all the dams and then back down into the city around the river to Fremantle docks and then back up the coast. That'd probably be, I think the four dams is like a 
12 hour ride to do all that. But if you was racing, you could probably tie part of it in, but yeah, start on the coast, finish on the coast, walk into the ocean after and cool the legs off. Very nice. I like this. So how many Ks would that be? Uh, queen stage. What was it? Two, was it 205, the queen stage of the Giro? 5,000 uh, meters climbing or something? Yeah. I mean, there was change, wasn't it? The Queen's, yeah, it's just over 200K, but there was like, yeah, 4,600 meters of climbing or something like that. Yeah. So if we say 200K, 5,000 meters of climbing, that'd pinch. <laughs> so so you like climbing. What's the best place in the world that you've ever ridden your bike? Um, so clearly you like climbing. Australia. Your- so you, you are a big Perth, Western Australia fan, aren't you? Because that's obviously where you're brought up as well, eh? Yeah, I, I was brought up there and <clears throat> I don't know, it's just there's just something special about I haven't I haven't had the chance, like I've only been riding for two years properly and, and a lot of that's been during COVID. So, you know, my real love for the bike was was, you know, riding down the coast, proper lumpy roads all the way down the coast and, you know, heading out into the hills and, you know, it goes from super flat from the coast to the hills and the hill range kind of runs all the way down the coast about yeah. you know 15 20k in from the coast so yeah um yeah like there's there's a few monster monster areas death valley and yeah there's some but just it's, it's the weather i think the weather just makes it you know but i yeah. follow um there's a guy i follow on instagram stefano and he does the um assault to freedom challenges um and seeing the places that he's riding at you know around lake como in italy and that's just yeah i need to start doing some trips but the kids are only young so i've got plenty of time to do all that stuff oh of course you have mate but uh, yeah i mean lake como i mean the the giro we were, we were kind of around that area for a couple of stages of the giro this year and it's absolutely it is it blows your mind it's yeah he's in lombardy so the giro has been there yeah, it's it's absolutely stunning, mate. I mean, well, I know that you you obviously spent a lot of your formative youth in in Perth, um, but you were born in the UK in Scunthorpe. That's correct, isn't it? Sunny scunny, mate. That's it. Sunny scunny, mate. Um, and then my parents got me out of there as quick as they could. <laughs> well, don't speak too ill of Scunthorpe, uh, Ty Wolfenden, because next up in this podcast. It's time, you know what's coming, it's time for the Scunthorpe Quiz! The Scunthorpe Quiz. The Scunthorpe Quiz. Now it's time for the Scunthorpe Quiz. Well, Ty Wuffenden, um, are you ready for the Scunthorpe Quiz, mate? Uh, no, but we'll give it a crack. <laughs> Uh, f- first, first up, um, marks out of ten for the jingle. <laughs> um, I'm going to give it a. We'll give it an eight. An eight? That's not too bad. So no, you can just pat yourself on the back, yeah. mate. But needs a bit more work. Uh, I actually thought that was an eight and a half. Um, right, mate. There you go. Criticism. Give himself a round of applause. Right, I've got four questions. Uh, indeed, mate. Indeed, I've got four questions on Scunthorpe. I know that you haven't been there for quite a long time, uh, but they're, they're multiple choice questions, so I'm not, we're not going to do your legs here. So this is just a little bit of fun, all right? So first up, it's actually a Polish Scunthorpe kind of related question. So first up, question number one, okay? Which Polish town or city is Scunthorpe twinned with? Is it A, Gdansk, B, Torun, C, Ostrovich Streskowinski or D 
Kazimierz Dolny. Well, it's definitely not A or B because I've been to both of them. Okay. So I'm going to go with... I'll go with C. Ecorectomundo! It is Ostrowicz Svechnikotnyrski. Um... <laughs> Okay, I'm very sorry for my pronunciation, but Polish is great. Cheers, mate. Um, yeah, I, yeah, it took me a while to learn that. Anyway, uh, okay. Question number two. It's a very, very good start. You're straight out of the blocks, and if this was a speedway race, you'd be leading. You'd be on the inside and leading, and and had a, you've had a lot of momentum. Uh, so, question number two. In the computing world or the world of computers, what is known? As, no, sorry, what is the Scunthorpe problem? So in the in the world of computers, there's something called the Scunthorpe problem. What is it? Is it one of these? So is it A? Uh, historically, from 1996 to 2020, Scunthorpe had the lowest average download speeds in the UK. So is that the Scunthorpe problem? Or is it B? In 2001, a ship containing over 1 million laptops sank just outside Scunthorpe Harbour in thick fog. Or is it C, um, it's the act of internet filters refusing to accept the name of Scunthorpe due to the obscene word embedded within the name? Or is it D, Steve Jobs in 1989 on a business trip to Scunthorpe was arrested but released without charge after a scuffle with his business partner, Steve Wozniak, outside the Ashby Lodge pub? So which one of those is it? I'm going to go with A, but C was pretty good. You're going to go... Um, C sounded good, but I'm going to go with A. It's actually C. Really? It is. Yeah. Mm, so basically, no oh, we're not going to say the word. We're not going to say the word, but internet filters refuse to accept the name of Scunthorpe due to the obscene word embedded within it. And that is an actual thing called the Scunthorpe problem. There you go, mate. That's so uh, joke. It's actually funny when you drive in there and people have taken the S off the, off, off the signs. It's a shame, isn't it? That's just vandalism. There's no, there's no call for it. I think it's absolute. I think a Scunthorpe is quite a nice place. Um, I've been. Uh, it just, just the sea is very grey and brown, isn't it? Um, I think we started to stage the milk race there. Anyway, uh, next up, question number three, and it's a little bit of a cheeky speedway question for you here, mate. Okay, question number three: What is the track record of the Scunthorpe Scorpions' two hundred eighty-five meter Eddie Wright Raceway? Okay, is it? A, 55 seconds, B, 55.18, C, 55.72, or D, 55.81. That must be oh, like, man. that must be like four laps or that, I mean. It, yeah, cause, it is, it's four yeah. laps. Yeah. Uh, we'll go to so the what, third option. 55.81. Yeah. It's B, 55.18. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> so good. Do you know what? I'm going to give you half a point because you weren't that far wrong. You weren't that far wrong, so that half was, a point. That was there. like that was like Pidcock and uh, old mate crossing the line. There was nothing in it. There's nothing in it, mate. Nothing in it at all. And um, and what's his face? Old uh, Van Art, wasn't it? In in the uh, Amsterdam Gold. You know, yeah, that was. I, I reckon know. Tom had it. Uh, it, it did look like it, didn't it? I mean, we don't want to raise the head of controversy, but I was, as you wow. know, I was commentating. Um, well, yeah, the thing is, the photos, all the photos that we saw, and I was commentating on it, it was difficult. It looked like he won, didn't it? Yeah. There you go. It didn't take a genius to figure that out. Just some wrong position cameras. There we go, mate. There we go. The controversy continues, and we've, um, yeah, reared its head again on, on the quiz. Uh, imagine if um, Wout Van Aert got in contact, and it was based... 
um, and the reason being that um, the issue raised its head in a quiz based on Scunthorpe for a, a world speedway champion. How random uh, is that? Anyway, ne- next up. Okay, question number four. What is the name of Scunthorpe's local newspaper? Is it A, the Scunthorpe Herald? Telegraph. Oh, two points because I didn't – yeah, okay. Two points there, okay. Niall. A little, another one, please. Bing, thing I mentioned later, two points there. I, I'm, I'm kind of minded to give people an extra point when I don't read out all of the answers. It was basically the Herald, the Lead, the Telegraph, or the Star, and you picked it out correctly. So you're doing all right so far, mate. I've forgotten to work out the points, but you're doing all right. Uh, question number half. five. Three and a half, that's it. God, you are keep you very competitive. No wonder you're a multiple world champion. <laughs> Blimey. Um, question number five. This is the last question in the quiz. Okay. Which of these radio stations is not a Scunthorpe radio radio station? A, BBC Radio Humberside. B, Viking FM. C, Tip Top Radio FM. D, Lynx FM. Tip Top Radio FM. Tip Top Radio is not a real Scunthorpe radio station. Correct. Oh, so I make that. Four and a half. Four and a half points out of five. So that's not bad. That's kind of not quite 100%, but I don't know what it is in the percentage. Four and a half as a percentage. Uh, you, you need an unplugged uh, leaderboard on your wall with all your people that you have on their scores. That, do you know what? That is a really – like on Top Gear when they're buzzing around the, 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 yeah, in yeah. that kind of reasonably priced car. I think that's a re- – yeah. no, I think my um, – yeah, 90% you got there, mate, which is quite high. I, he's done the maths for me. <laughs> We're obviously on WhatsApp uh, during this. Uh, so 90%, 90%, I think that's a pass. Um, and I think we will go back through all the pods and have a leaderboard on the quizzes uh, and then maybe have a celebrity quiz at the end of the year with all the podcast guests or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, but well well done, mate. Um, that was, uh, yeah, 90% on the Scunthorpe quiz. Let's have a round of applause for Ty Woofenden. Thank you very much. Right. I'm bowing right now. I'm just bowing. You're bowing. Okay, mate. Nice one. Bowing to um, everyone as they clap. Uh, nice one, mate. Nice one. I mean, just to, when I, uh, the, earlier on, when we talked about you kind of riding in Poland, um, I forgot, I, I, I'm going to ask if you want to hear an anecdote from me about when I raced in Poland. Yeah, love to. Okay, here it is. It was in 1996, and Niall might have heard this, I'm not too sure, and some other people listening might have heard, I'm not too sure. Basically, I was in Poland. I've been in Poland stage of the peace race we went through old east germany we went into czech republic into poland we went into slovakia as well um great race i was third from last i was hanging all the time but anyway we were in the bunch and the bunch was all together and we hit there was a rail a railway crossing and the barrier went down so the race stopped so basically i um hopped off my bike um and decided i needed a wee so like a lot of riders were doing it and um, I kind of like turned away and was doing a wee. And as I was doing a wee, I, out of the corner of my eye, I noticed one of the TV motorbikes was actually filming me having a wee. So I'm like, whoa. So, and uh, it, the angle of it meant that it was clearly filming what I was doing. I thought, oh, okay. Anyway, finished. The barriers lifted up and we rode off and, and the race finished and we're back at the hotel in the evening. Um, Quite a lot of the teams are staying there, and we're in this little bar in the, in the hotel. And the race was on telly, and we were watching the race. And then the bit when the when the when we all stopped came on the telly. I thought, oh, that's just where we stopped. And then 
on the screen is my todger. So I'm there having a wee and they'd filmed it and they popped it on Polish TV and all the riders were laughing their heads off. No <laughs> so, way. Yeah, honestly, mate, it's only a little bit of a glimpse, but you can see it in all its, well, a little glory. Um, on the telly in Poland in 1996. There we go, mate. That's so incredible. Uh, That's yeah, incredible. Uh, total and utter true story about Poland. Um, apart from that, that memory, I thought Poland was lovely, um, but that did affect me. When was the last time you was out here, Matt? Then I've never been to Poland since um, since then. Right, we'll have to pack your Brompton up. Oh, definitely. I'll, I'll be up for coming over to Poland, and but like I say, it's a. I know it's a beautiful, beautiful country, but in all seriousness, um, and I didn't realise that it was so mountainous because a couple of, we did two. I think we did two days. One was hilly, and we had one mountain top finish. Um, I can't remember exactly where it was, but what a stunning country! I mean, have you had chance to explore much? Yeah, I've, I've, I've travelled around the country a lot. Um, there's teams kind of splattered all over Poland and I've been racing here since I was 16. So um, I've, I've done, I've been all over. I've been to the mountains for pre-season training camps, not cycling, running in minus 20 degrees to the top of the hill is not right. ideal. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful country. And look, I, you know, where I said we live in Roswell, it's, it's such a beautiful town, you know, the old church and the square and, it's I wouldn't I wouldn't want to live anywhere else in Poland. It's it's just such a a beautiful place, you know. And it's probably changed tenfold since you were there. You know, they're just smashing out motorways everywhere, and they're really um, the country is really uh, thriving. Yeah, because I think um, when I came, what it was, how oh, God blimey, it's like twenty five, heading to th- like thirty years ago. I mean, it wasn't yeah, that it was- long. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't that long before that the Iron Curtain lifted, you know, uh, Perestroika and stuff in Poland. And, and there was, I remember the people being wonderful, but there was quite a lot of poverty um, back then and behind the, behind the old Iron Curtain. But it was, it was obviously free then and things were changing. But obviously, I know it's one of the most, it's developed in, as in massively over the last 20, 25 years and is almost kind of unrecognisable. And I guess the only, the only constant really from an economic, well, from a non-economic perspective is the beautiful, beautiful countryside. I mean, it's, um, have you ever been out to see the tour of Poland in, in the summer? No, mate, because it'll always, well, the majority of things are on the weekend. If we, if, if we're racing on a Friday night, then I'll practice Wednesday, Thursday, if we're racing on right. a Saturday night, then practices Friday, Saturday. So, um, but there will be a time where I can get down and see it, but I can watch it all on TV. I can go out, do you my can. training in the morning, watch it on TV, see the whole race. Happy days. Yeah. What for you? I mean, I know um, you, you, you lost your father, didn't, um, just to change of tactic, mate, you lost your father back in 2010, but there's a, a local Speedway GP that you won bearing your dad's name in 2012. Just talk to us about how special and important that event is to you. Yeah, it was um, It was really nice to to kind of go back and, and race in that. Um when when the the track that we used to race at when we was younger that got closed down because they needed to redevelop the land and all the families got together and cleared a massive bit of land and you know begged borrowed and steal stole probably um to to build this track for their kids to race at so um he was really heavily involved in in organizing that and um yeah they they named, after he passed away they they do the Rob Wolfenden Classic in uh, in Perth Pinjar Park and I think I've only raced in it once and won it. So happy days. And um, what about your first world championship win? 
Um, that I mean, it's obviously something you've aimed, you kind of wanted to do since you were very young. You kind of built your way through the ranks, become British champion multiple times. But what was it like winning the world championships? Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, my whole, we go back to the start. So we came over from Aussie. I went pro at 16, yeah. kind of went through the ranks and just went up and up and up. And then I got a GP wildcard in 2010. You know, I remember before my dad died, he was, you know, sat in the hospital bed and he's going, you're not ready for it, mate. You know, say no to the wild card and have a few more years, at, you know, getting yourself organised. But I just thought, you know, the next year was going to do the same because that's all I'd known from when I first started racing. So I had a crack at it. wasn't ready for it mechanically, physically. Yeah. Um, and then had a couple of years recouping and, and getting all my stuff in order and, uh, got another opportunity as a wild card in 2013 and took it with both hands and, and went to work. And, um, you know, that was incredible to, to, to do it, you know, and then, you know, after, after that, it was kind of like, you know, I don't want to be that like one trick pony. So we worked hard again and in 2015 we got another one and, and then 2018 another. So it's, um, yeah, special for sure. And, I mean, and, and talk to me about the kind of team that you have. I mean, it's not, I, again, this is, I mean, you must forgive me, it's a sport that I, I kind of I kind of watch and I kind of understand, but in terms of what it's like behind the scenes, what kind of, um, on, say you go into a, a big event, who's behind the scenes of you? What, what's, what's your kind of, how many people do you have looking after you? What's the kind of setup? Um, so I employ four guys year-round, um, mechanics who prepare everything yep. in the off-season and then, you know, we travel around together during the season and, yeah. um, yeah, we just, uh, we, that's, that's pretty much it really, mate. You know, my wife books all the flights and, um, yeah, we, we, uh, we kind of manage it at that. There's, it's not like a massive MotoGP F1 kind of, kind of gig. Um, yeah. so yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty, pretty cruisy really. Pretty crazy. I mean, so in terms of actual, obviously you've got Dino and Ross coaching you on the bike, but do you have any kind of anybody who kind of manages you in terms of like riding these races or is it purely just you and you've got you obviously the age of your mechanics depending on the, I would imagine the track kind of length and the, the kind of what the dirt's kind of like. Is that, so who kind of is your kind of mentor or who kind of, do you have a coach or is it is it just you? No, like, so yeah, like obviously my training plan for my cycling comes from from dean and russ um sean yates has sent me some um strength and conditioning stuff that i can work on for my cycling yeah. not for my speedway yeah yeah um uh, and then yeah my four guys that i employ year round um you know they do all the logistics of getting the bikes there, ordering all the stuff in the in the off season to to prep the bikes um yeah and then there's a guy called pete adams who comes out to the to the grand prix with me and um yeah we just uh we just hang out more than more than anything i guess he was kind of like a, a father figure for me um you know when when my dad wasn't there and you know kept me grounded and, and on the right track um i was only dad died in 2010 so i was what 20 years old um so yeah, still still quite young, and yeah, it was nice to have that guidance. Do you, how much more do you think you've got to kind of learn about this game? Clearly, you're you're consistently one of the one of the best riders in the world. What about is is it how kind of competitive is are 
are you quite old in Speedway, or it's because I know looking at kind of MotoGP, there's quite there are some very experienced riders, but there's quite a lot of young riders coming through. What's the kind of if you were to compare it to like MotoGP or or actually pro bike riding, what's the kind of age range? Are you kind of at, at the sweet spot? Where kind of do you do you kind of sit? Um, two years ago, I was the oldest guy in my team. Right. Okay. So I was I was twenty eight. Right. And I was the veteran of the team. Wow. Okay. Um, so, the, but on the flip side, other teams that we race against have older guys. Like Greg Hancock retired what two years ago now, and I think he was like forty five, maybe. Um, oh, right. Okay. You know, competitive at world championship level. So, I, mean, I can I can keep going and until I um, stop enjoying it, I guess. Yeah. And do you do you ride any other motorbikes? No, mate. No. I um I used to race motocross and then obviously not race, used to ride motocross. Yeah. Um and then uh I kept crashing and hurting myself, so I bought a jet ski and right. then <laughs> I can crash that thirty times a day and you land on water so it's all good. And then I sold that a while back. Um, just to get some money in the pot to make some investments and uh yeah just uh haven't really got anything since i've been looking at some more another jet ski though the uh, right yamaha contacted me the other day but the new super jet doesn't come out in europe until next year i don't really want to wait that long right um i took riley on my speedway bike last week and she absolutely loved it so that cost me a peewee 50 so i got it this week <laughs> so, so how old's riley uh, she's three and a half. Okay, okay. She's never really been into it, but I took her to practice with me, and you know, took her out on the track. And every time I finished a practice session, I just chucked her on the on the on the bike, and we did a few laps. And um, yeah, she's like me, go quicker, dad, go quicker, dad. And like, wow, I flick I flicked the clutch and opened it up down the straight a couple of times, and she she wasn't scared. Blimey, flip. Mm. So where was she? Is she sat like? In your kind of lap, or she just—I I guess she's not sat behind. Is she kind of? Because I remember as a kid when I was really young, before I could actually ride pillion, and my dad used to take me for some really long, like road motorcycle rides. A lot of the time, I was just freezing cold because it was in Britain, in England. Um, but um, yeah, I used to just drive around, sat on the kind of petrol tank, that sort of area as, as a kid. And I remember as I got a bit older, I could sit on the petrol tank, and eventually I could reach the handlebars of the motorbike. But um, it's really cool. It's really cool that the yeah. So I kind of like it. had I had one foot on the engine and the other foot on the left foot peg, which put my knees right. kind of at a similar height. And she was sat like on in the middle of my thighs, but she could right. reach the handlebars. Like oh, she was holding onto the throttle, and uh, not that she was doing it herself. Obviously, my hand was on it, but um, yeah, she was kind of comfy. Just cruised right. around the corners and opened it up down the straights, and every time I opened it up, she was going faster, Dad. I was going, all right, next lap, in we go. <laughs> That's brilliant, mate. That's yeah. brilliant. I mean, is there something that um, that you're proud of that you haven't ever told any, anybody, mate? That I haven't told anyone? Yeah, that you're kind of secretly really, like, proud of about yourself, that you've never really told anybody. Or you might have told your family, but you haven't told the wider world. Is there something that we don't know about you that's kind of pretty cool outside of going very, very fast on a speedway bike and on a, like on a road if, bike as well? I feel like everyone knows everything about me, dude. But like in my world, um, I don't know. I made like a piece of art, which I'm pretty proud of. It was kind of not finished, but it's, it's getting oh, there. Oh, right. 
Yeah. Oh, well, well, tell, tell me, tell me about it because I'm, I'm very since lockdown, mate. Um, um, after the very, everybody experienced this difficult year last year, especially, mm. um, I kind of got into art a lot. Not painting, although I've never kind of tried it. I'd like to, no, but so yeah. What are you? Is it a painting? Is it a drawing? What, what is it? Uh, so what I did, I went to, I went into uh, an espresso to buy some coffee capsules when we was in the city in Perth. And they had okay. all the they had all the Nespresso caps stuck on the wall, and obviously in Australia the Aboriginals do painting with dots, and yeah. and they had this Aboriginal art on the wall, and it was made out of all the empty Nespresso capsules. I thought okay. that was re- that's really cool. So I w- I started collecting, saving all my Nespresso capsules, which is an absolute ball ache because to keep them you have to get a knife and cut the tin foil out, then wash it, then dry it, and then store it. <laughs> right. Right. So it was a seriously long process. Anyway, so I right. kind of got this piece of card and I've, I've made a big square about, you know, a metre and a bit by a metre. Yeah. And I, I marked it with a pencil so that I've got my border and then I got all my coffee capsules out, laid them on the floor and stood on them so they land, they squashed. But when they don't squash okay. perfect, they're aluminium, so they get like they have like a ripple. I'll yeah. send you a picture of them with just the pod. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, definitely. And I started gluing them. To the border and i've done the whole border and now i'm just starting to work my way in to fill it but when this thing's hung up with a massive thick frame that i've got it in um it's going to be a really nice piece of art i like that mate oh that's really cool that that that, Mm. so i I can that's really cool thanks for being so kind of uh yeah i I can picture it kind of in my head and hopefully you'll obviously uh, have you just sent me a picture now no, 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 no. Else. Sorry. But I will. No, no, no. I thought, that, I thought that was quick, mate. Sorry. I'm just, um, um, that's the thing with WhatsApp, isn't it? Oh, he sent me one now. And it was, that's a bit embarrassing, isn't it? It was somebody else. <laughs> right, mate. Um, it's nearly time to wrap things up, but I've, I've can see the light flashing in the corner. Um, oh. Random question alert. The final random, random question generator. Random question alert. It is time for a random question. Here we go. Right. Here we go, mate. This this is it. Um, here we go. Final random question: What is the one superpower that you would not want? That I would not want. Yeah. Um. So the other day, I asked. I asked some. I asked. We had Ned Bolting on the podcast the other day, the, the co-commentator at the Giro, and he said he wouldn't want to be have the power of Aquaman because he couldn't be asked training in the pool every morning. So I thought it was a good answer. <laughs> well, well, I wouldn't want to have any of them because I, w- I wouldn't want to be a superhero. Can you imagine how much work that would be? That's a good point. That, like being a yeah. superhero, you're going to be busy. So I wouldn't want to have any of them. He was right, the guy that you had on last <laughs> time. He was right. <laughs> yeah. I, I like the fact that you'd not pick one. You thought actually it's just uh, it's just too much hassle. Yeah. Because uh, when you think about it, imagine I don't know how. I mean, I, I'm thing is I'm really into superheroes because I used to. I don't collect them so much now, but I used to collect comic books. All, but then I never really thought about. It's kind of a full time job. I mean, where do you draw the line? I mean, say you're Spider Man or you're Batman, you'd constantly be getting calls, wouldn't you? You'd have to just turn turn off WhatsApp, wouldn't you? <laughs> Wouldn't even be in the chat. <laughs> Just be a nightmare, wouldn't it? I wouldn't even have, wouldn't even have a phone. <laughs> Imagine how many 
No, you would just spin the. Imagine, well, apart from the bat phone, when he when he well, it's not a bat phone. He fires it into the clouds, and it'd be like a big T for Ty, wouldn't it? And he'd be like, "Oh no, I can't, I just can't be asked." <laughs> hey, go on, go on, <laughs> or, or a big go on off subject. <laughs> go on off subject. You, when you yeah. did the Ineos Grenadier um, at the start of the season, the kind of like in, meet the rider kind of things. Oh yeah, yeah. Tom Tom had a uh, a really good answer, and I thought, man, that that was like a that was a really good answer. And you asked him if he could. I think it was if he could sit down with somebody for in the past or the future or something. And he said, I'd like to sit down with the future, somebody in the future to see and ask him what the world, what you know, what we've done to the world. And I thought that was like a a really cool question that really makes you think hard. You know, I do remember. He's quite. It's, it's quite. I really enjoyed that chat with. Um with him because um i didn't really know what to expect i'd spoken to him a few times on zoom but to be with him in real life and have a chat um he's really grown up a lot and he's a really interesting young man actually i mean an insanely talented rider but no i, I was struck by because i was a little bit nervous about what how the, you know, the quality of the answers really um yeah. but he was he was really good he was yeah he was really really good but um no, um, but I, I do like your answer about the superheroes. Just to get back to it, I, I think it's quite a. Do you know what? I think it's a sensible answer, Ty. Because if you committed to having the powers and you couldn't deliver, you'd, 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 people you'd get like cancelled on social media. There'd be you'd be like putting the local paper. You'd probably be in the Scunthorpe Telegraph. Superhero Woofenden goes on strike. You don't need that. No, you don't need that, no. mate. Not about that life, are we? No not about it we're about doing what we we do best oh i've just got your picture through um i'm now looking at my phone everybody is listening sorry this has gone a bit random um it's really good it's different hey yeah i mean it's it's early days but the way you've squashed them there's a lovely pattern and you're building up the corners aren't you mate that's really good yeah now i'm just gonna drink more coffee I like and work it. my way in but that's in australia so i can't the coffee i'm drinking now doesn't go to that so it's like yeah. It's been on the back burner because we didn't get back to Aussie for like for the winter because of COVID. Um, Mate, so, you, this yeah, is good. This is I'm. Uh, it's going to be the thing is it's going to be um, quite a long project, isn't it? Like you said, but when it's oh. done, maybe in like two or three years' time, it's going to be it's going to look great. Yeah, man. It's <laughs> I'll be sick of it, but I won't want to hang it up by the time it's finished. Yeah, but it's it's looking good. I like it. I'll, um, what I'll do, we'll st- we'll stick a piece. We'll stick a piece in our social media. People just wonder what the hell it is, but we'll stick it in contact. <laughs> it looks good, mate. It looks good. Well, mate, look, we're going to have to um, wrap things up now. Um, but it's been an absolute pleasure. Sorry, we had a few technical issues, but um, good old Niall is an, not just an expert at jingles. He's an expert at splicing voices together. Um, something he learnt um, whilst on a weird project in the sixth form. What? What technical difficulties? Um, there you go. What technical? Di- well, I don't know what you're talking about because this is spliced together so nicely that nobody would know. Well done. Exactly. <laughs> All right, mate. Well, take care of yourself. All the very best. What, what's your next race? Uh, Friday. And, and, and what, what? And what is that? That's Polish league. So um, yeah, just uh, every Sunday we race in Poland. Oh, we never spoke. We said we was going to talk about the. Um, about my my calendar, and I was saying, oh the yeah, that listen to your podcast will not get their head around it. So we'll just go on and say, so yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. To explain because it, yeah, it's something that's kind of quite new to me. Yeah, two thousand and ten, I raced English league, Swedish league, Polish league, and the World Championships. So I'd fly out to the Grand Prix Thursday. I'd practice yeah. Friday. The Grand Prix was Saturday. 
Saturday yeah. night, we would drive to Poland, race Polish league on Sunday. Monday morning, I would fly to England, race at Wolverhampton on a Monday night. Then I'd drive to Stansted Airport. Tuesday morning, I'd fly to Sweden, race Tuesday night, and then fly back home Wednesday. Flipping heck. March till the end of October. March till October, you said so, so kind of three flights a week, just doing those kind of circuits in and out. Flipping yeah, heck. And racing at like seven o'clock at night, getting to your hotel at one o'clock in the morning, getting on a six o'clock flight. So you've got to be there two hours before all that. What? Wow. That's the life that most of us live, Speedway riders. Wow. So I guess at the moment, though, due to travel restrictions, I guess you're primarily just going to be doing the Polish league until borders reopen, et cetera, et cetera. No, I'm just doing Polish league. I'm, I've done my days of flying all over the place. I'm happy cycling during the week, riding my motorbike on the weekends. Sounds good, mate. Absolutely love it. Sounds good. Sounds like you've got, and with the kids growing up and stuff, mate, as well, and you doing your um, your kind of new venture foray into sculptural art. Um, it sounds like you're in. It sounds like you're in the right place, mate. Anyway, thanks for having me on, dude. No, no, thanks very much, mate. Um, you take care of yourself and uh, catch up soon, mate. All right, man. Thank you. A top bloke, I think you'll agree. And I'm starting to notice how competitive these world champions are, whatever the sport, as they all tend to be super competitive with their hometown quizzes. But I guess that's the difference between being the best in the world at something and someone like me, whose highlight of the day involves a trip to Poundland. Thanks to Perry App Gwyneth for the podcast theme tune and thanks to you for listening. Don't forget to like, subscribe and rate the pod and why not recommend it to your cycling buddies or to any superheroes you might encounter who need to take a break since we've just learned how hard their lives must be given the constant demand. Finally, a massive thanks again to Ty for joining us on the podcast today and for borrowing a laptop from his very kind neighbour in order to meet our near impossible demands related to the platform we use to produce these podcasts and how it refuses to accept connections with smartphones, iPads or tablets or anything else invented within recent living memory. Now, I'll be back next week with somebody else, hopefully. Cheers all, stay safe and goodbye. Goodbye.